They have a combined 12 years in the National Football League. They combined for 65 career sacks, 232 tackles, one Pro Bowl selection, and one Employee of the Month award. That's just a straight shooter with upper management written all over him. It's Train and Gross on the All-AZ Podcast Network. Welcome in, episode 54, Train and Gross, Mike Gross. Bertram Berry, Sean Crespin coming to you from our train station studios in downtown Phoenix. B-Train, Notre Dame. Cheer, cheer. Cheer, cheer, brother. It is a great day to be an Irishman. I got to say, I'm a very happy alum today. Are you? And we'll get, we'll get, we're going to do a whole segment on college football. That's right. It's earned it this week. That is right. You know, and and it started out, and and I sent out a text to you guys, something about the silly season, and Mm -hmm. then it just, it went downhill from there. No question. But we'll get into that in a minute. But I I was, I was sharing, as we sometimes do while we get set up to record Mm -hmm. training gross. Yep. Um, I I saw this uh, on 538 on Twitter, and they listed wedding playlists, the ultimate wedding playlist. They have it broken down by songs. Mm-hmm which we can look at, but I'm more interested in by artists. Oh, okay. And they, they broke down this list by the top five. Well, it's a t- there's actually 20 on the, on, on the list, but uh, I want you guys to tell me wedding playlists, and this is current, so you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't my wedding, mm-hmm. your wedding, mm-hmm. uh, your parents' wedding. This is current. People who are having weddings currently Today. sent in uh, an email and said, here's our wedding playlist, and they – Crunched the numbers and looked at it. Tell me who the top five artists being played at weddings these days are. And we can jump into the songs in a minute. Whitney Houston? Whitney Houston is not in the top I five, but say, she is in top ten. I want to say Bruno Mars. You would not be correct. And I what? don't want this to go on forever. What? It's be a, how the hell is Bruno Mars? If, if you're talking about today's people, how the hell is Bruno Mars? not? All happening? I know is what's in front of me. What about Maxwell? No. I love Maxwell. No, Maxwell. Currently, this is This is – I was surprised. Let me say this. When I say it was today's weddings, mm-hmm. today's I was weddings. surprised because this list is broad and it's diverse mm-hmm. and it spans generations or times or whatever, decades, okay. whatever the best way to do it. And, and, you know, somewhere on there, you know, I'll, I'll look at number 13. Prince is on current wedding list. Wow. At number 13. Okay. In uh, between Daft Punk and Pitbull. What? Yeah. So that shows you the sense. diversity of this list. Uh-huh. Okay. And I would imagine if the three of us were getting married right now, your list and your list and my list might be a little bit different. A little bit different. Right. So let me tell you number one. Yeah, go ahead. Michael Jackson. Yeah. That Michael makes sense. Jackson's number one. Michael Jackson is the number one artist. He appeared on two hundred and two of the set lists that were submitted to this writer. But what Michael Jackson song? Like well, seven of them. Let me scroll up and see. Uh, this is going to be seven of them. Yeah. I don't remember any of the songs being. Don't stop Wedding. until you get enough is yeah, on there. Would, oh, the after party, the reception. Billy Jean yep. is on there. Oh, you see, you're, yeah, so I, that's you were probably thinking oh, service, right? No, this is at the reception when reception. you're you know, having I'm the, thinking like first dance. Well, it could be. First dance is a little slower, you know, uh-huh. that's more, you know. Sweet mm-hmm. Caroline's number 17. Oh, I hate that damn song. <laughs> get that song off. The, hey, look, don't, don't invite me. If you're going to play Neil Diamond, just don't invite me to you. Here party. comes the top five. Sorry. Michael Jackson, Beyonce, The Beatles, Stevie Wonder, and Outkast are your, your top five. Your Outkast? I love Outcast. that. Yeah, I can see that. I love it. Because mm-hmm. the number one song. Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah. Wow. You used to be a DJ or something? Yeah, actually. For that's a, pretty. Just you, a couple of years. You nailed that. Yeah. Wow. That's and impressive. then, to your point, though, Whitney's got the number two song, 
Any, any guess? I want to dance with somebody. Bingo. Man, could you DJ my wedding? Yeah, I could right now and still be okay at it. <laughs> see, I'm, 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 I'm so much into the first dance that I can't even You're, you're stuck on – see, here's, where it's, here's how it's broken down, right? Because you got different things. So, like, when I sit down with you and say, I was going to work your wedding, I was going to DJ your wedding, I'd yeah. have a sheet in front of us. We have this packet, right? right. And we go through all the traditionals, uh-huh. things you're talking about, uh-huh. things that are stuck in your mind. Right. Uh, your first dance, father, daughter, mother, son, cutting of the cake, bouquet toss, um, the uh, grand entrance for you and your bridal party. You, get all, party. you get all that out of the way. Yeah, yeah. And then you go to the list that Gross is talking about. Yeah, okay, right. what, do you, what is your vibe when you're on the dance floor, your group of friends? So let's get a handful of those, and then we're going to fill in the blanks. I'm going okay. to do the rest. So I think what Gross is doing right now is he's doing that larger portion yeah, reception area. broader reception. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. The ultimate wedding playlist. Top five songs. Hey, yeah, I want to dance with somebody. Uptown Funk. Yep, that's why I said. Shout Crazy in Love. And number six, man. Don't stop leaving. Good Lord. Are yeah, that's actually me? that's dude, Journey. Yes, you could even still play no. that at a high school right now, and people would would vibe with it. Yeah, and you're probably no. right. No. Mm-hmm. Karen gets mad at me because we've been married for a little while, and we're like, "Hey, do you remember what your wedding song is?" And it, yeah, funny. I tell what her, was it? What I, was it? Well, let me let me tell you what I tell her it should be. Okay. Because it came up with the I think it's a Geico commercial or one of those <laughs> okay. where you're know, like monsters on there now. <laughs> but okay. uh, when, remember when they people bought a house and they're like, "Oh, we have a rat problem." Yeah, yeah. And Rat was playing Rat was in the playing. kitchen. Yeah. Uh, loving you is a dirty job is what I'm, I'm lobbying for after the fact. Wow. And then, like I told you beforehand, she goes, I'm going to punch you uh, if you say that right. again. Wow. And what was your actual first dance? Oh, don't ask me that because I'm trying to play I'll edit this portion out so she doesn't see this portion of the yeah, show. What the hell please, was it? Please. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Uh, so is it safe to say, uh, you know, like, uh, Wow. <laughs> oh, do you know when your anniversary is? Yeah, I know my anniversary. Right, is. I know how many sure. years yeah. we've been married. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, listen, it, is it is it safe to say that R. Kelly is not on the list? Oh, I see no R. Kelly. Okay, good. I see Frank Sinatra. I see Madonna. I see Jay Z. I see no Jay-Z? R. No, wow. R. Kelly's number thirty-five. Still, still. Wow. I mean, this may be pre-incarceration, but. Uh, He's convicted. Is he incarcerated? Uh, yeah, yeah it's done now. It's a yeah. done deal. Yeah, he's uh, number 35. He appeared 42 times in the how many ever these uh, set lists were submitted. It's because of the Ignition remix. How about when a woman's fed up? <laughs> this guy's smart. Why? Well, hold on. <laughs> I'm processing. Just went straight yeah. over Number 20. Head. Yeah, you're Ignition welcome. remix. I'm telling you, I was good at what I do. Wow. Wow, we should hire this guy. Yeah. I was really good at what I did. Wow. I, I haven't done that in a long time, probably probably close to 10 years now, but I did it for over 10 years. But if I said, dude, I'm getting married tomorrow, can you, can you take it? In a heartbeat. Would you do it for me? No, but I could do it. I just don't want to do it anymore. It's, wow. Yeah. I mean, for you, I would, obviously. You'd be bored to death. You sound like you'd be bored because you already know what it is. You already know you, like, dude, I could two do hours those, I could it. do this in my sleep. And it's, as soon as you find one, you, by the end of the cocktail hour and dinner, I've already picked out who is going to dance to what, and I could nail it. Wow. By watching you during that time period. Watching I, me? Yeah. Watching you. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, I could I play something during the cocktail hour, and I could just tell, like, okay, they're going to feel this type. They're going to be in this group. They're going to be in that group. And then by the, that time, it's done. It's easy. What about Marvin Gaye? What about sexual healing? Absolutely, but it, de- it depends on the, gr- on, the, on, the, on the group. It depends on the group. Get up, get up, get up, get up. <laughs> get up. 
Yeah. And then, you I mean, you could always lean on your, on your classics as well, the My Girls and that kind of stuff. I remember now. It was, was a, it? It was Anita Baker. <laughs> Did you have to Give text the best her? Did you text her while wow. B-Train and I were no, talking? No, good God, no. You no. would never no. do I'll No. Still, I'll still edit this portion of the show out. No, leave it in. It's I love that there's a million things going on in the world of sports, and we, talk, we started with that. That's why this show is great. Wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, real quickly, before we pivot to sports. Uh-huh. <laughs> we pivot to sports. We, yeah. You were telling us beforehand about, you know, like people had their don't take requests from the guests. Yeah, people will. Yes. Or you can take requests, but here's yeah. a no playlist. Yeah. What's the most ridiculous request you got while you were DJing a wedding? Oh, my gosh. I've had a handful of them. But the one that usually is the biggest hit or miss, believe it or not, people will still come up and want you to play the chicken dance at no. every wedding. Or Macarena. Or my, all of those. No. All of them. No. All of them. Yeah. I, no. I was at. I will walk out of a reception. It, dude, I'm telling you, dance. and that's why those. Are, that's why you always have a don't playlist. I will walk out. You will always have that aunt who is so out of the times who <laughs> thinks that she still. Um, she wants to dance to that because the whole place is going to love it. I, I can't tell you how many times you get one of those. Somebody coming up. If you play this, everybody will love it, and you can just rely on. Well, I've done 150,000 of these parties and, and they're not gonna love they're it. not gonna love it ma'am yeah, so no and that's why you always ask the the people whose wedding it is you know like do you want to have do you want to allow your drunk ass family to have any kind of control over this or do you want me just to nip that in the bud right away and yeah. usually they tell you listen i trust you that's why we're hiring that's why you. we're paying you the big and bucks you, so you can handle it so yeah so i've had some weird stuff i actually had a situation where i um <laughs> this is not to my fault right <laughs> i was doing a wedding where um I was doing a wedding where I had never met the bride and groom. I was filling in for somebody, oh, wow. right, uh, for the company I was working for. Mm-hmm. So we have that sheet yeah. that I told you about, the prep sheet, yeah. and all the names are written on the prep sheet. Mm-hmm. So I read it as is. Well, some of the names were in the wrong place. So I introduced the, uh, you know, like one of the bridal parties for where the parents were and vice versa, and it was just a mess because mm-hmm. the company, company screwed me over. No, it, was, it turned out to be humorous, but I felt like a you-know-what. Wow. You know what I mean? And you just so, said, shut up. A lot up. of weird things Shut happen. up and dance. Yeah. Let's go. Wow. Uh, and I don't, speaking of pivot, I don't know if there's any way to pivot out of that, but we'll jump into <laughs> it. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say, I had one, one and V-Train can appreciate this. I was at a wedding, the last wedding in the history of the world you would ever expect to have this request, but I just thought, okay, I'm going to give it a shot anyway. Just what the hell? <laughs> it was NWA's Express Yourself. Wow. And this was like, older demo that you would never ever expect that to even be brought up and but it was towards the end of the reception and people had been you know drinking and having a good time so i thought what the hell these people went nuts for I'm it expressing with my full capability nuts now I'm for living it in correctional facilities There's no accounting <laughs> for it right don't agree with how it was, I do this it was yeah, that was a good moment like a that was an odd good moment but anyway my behavior yeah Ladies and gentlemen, Sean mm. Crespin for your DJ <laughs> No, needs. do not call me. I'm hit, out. Hit him up on Twitter. Uh, as I said a moment ago, no way to pivot out of it, but we'll just do it. The Phoenix Suns, uh, what is it now? Eight, 17, 18 in a row? 17, 18. 17. Well, could, they're playing the Pistons tonight, tonight, so it's 18. It could be. Yeah. As we record, <laughs> yeah. they're about an hour and a half away from tip-off. Yeah. So it's 18 in a row with the Phoenix Suns. Impressively, the other night, they do it with Devin Booker injured. He missed most of the game against Golden hamstring. State with a hamstring issue. Yeah. And no, no Devin Booker, no problem. 
And I know you don't win NBA championships in November or early December, Mm -hmm. but we also know every win you get now is a win you don't need to get later in the season when you're talking about playoff seasons and all all the rest that that becomes important in March and And April. We just saw this last year. We saw this exact same formula last year from the Phoenix Suns as they marched all the way to the number one seed and and ultimately getting to the – finals and losing to the Milwaukee Bucks Mm -hmm. so this team has not lost a step they brought everybody back and and you see this team is not a fluke they're not a one-hit wonder and with everything happening in the Western Conference we thought that there would be some other teams that would be a little stronger that aren't necessarily up to snuff right now especially the the LA Lakers they are a complete mess and and we knew that the geriatrics would, would be a little slow out of the gate because that's what geriatrics do. Yep. But we didn't think that, you know, the, the main guy would be, you know, miss half their games thus far. And the guy that was supposed to be the heir apparent is nowhere to be found yep. in Anthony Davis. He is absolutely underwhelmed thus far in the season. And, and all of those extra parts they brought in have just not done what they needed to do. But big props to 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 Monty Williams and and the rest of the Phoenix Suns and and how about if you're Chris Paul, a guy that has had seventeen a seventeen game winning streak with three different franchises? No, it, how it, about that? If you had any doubt, and I don't know that anybody did to his importance and what he he means. The distractions to win eighteen in a row and and you know there was seventeen. Two, seventeen. Well, well, I'm giving him eighteen. You're giving him eighteen. Okay. There's no chance they lose to Detroit. Okay. There is no chance. I'm on. I don't gamble for a living, but I know this much. You're putting the house on it. I'm putting the house on it. Okay. Jeez, forgot my wedding song, and then I bet the house without Karen's permission. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I wouldn't know, collect that bet. Right. The, 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 the distraction. You know, we talked, and I don't want to get into it tonight because there's no new news. But the the situation with their owner, and then the situation with Da, and they not, haven't and lost it, since then. Exactly, they've not lost since then, and they've not let any of it bother. Da's missed some games with mm-hmm. a with a. You know, Gimpy Knee, and we talked about Devin Booker going out against the team that everybody said, look, this is the best team in the West, meaning the the Golden State Warriors, and you do it without Devin Booker, and you do it in convincing fashion the other night. Again, I know you don't win championships, and if these two teams end up playing in the playoffs somewhere, the the fact that the Suns beat them in November without – that won't mean a darn thing. Yep. But with the body of work, 20 games, 21, 22 games into it that we have right now, you're going to say two things. One, I want to see what they do Friday. I want to see what they do tomorrow against the Golden State Warriors out there in yep. San Francisco. But two, can you make the leap that this team reminds you of the 2005, 2006 Phoenix Suns? A team that was very deep. They were basically too deep at every position. Mm-hmm. And they were led by a quintessential point guard, a guy that knew how to run a basketball organization. Steve Nash did it two-time MVP, and now you're seeing it again with Steve Nash. You've got athletic perimeter players, guys that can defend and score the basket, mm-hmm. and you've got a, a, a big guy that, you know, sometimes he plays big, sometimes he doesn't. The The earlier version of the Phoenix Suns didn't really have a big guy to speak yeah. of, but they, they wanted to outrun you. It, it was seven seconds or less, and they were just going to wear you Remember. out. Yep. But the formula to me seems the same when you have that point guard that can run the whole show and you've got a lot of athletic guys that can follow suit, that follow suit yeah. and run with them. It's not a bad comparison. 
I mean, if you're going to make that comparison, that would be a good one to, to link it up with. And I know every team has its own own characteristics and own yeah. personality. Yep. But you can see the similarities. And uh, as I said, that's not a bad one to have. Yeah, but the difference with this team, and it's a better difference, is the head coach is willing to go deeper down into that depth you talk about. Because they're, they're, they're too deep at every position. But you go back to those Mike D'Antoni days, and he, wa- he wanted six, seven at most that he wanted to rely on and that was always the knock on him like he didn't go deep enough in his bench especially when he got up against those spurs and those uh those those uh mavericks teams in those days this team yeah man they routinely play 10 guys 10 minutes a night or more yeah, but, but but once you get to the playoffs though the whole sh- the, the, the roster shrinks a little bit yeah a little bit so yep. you, you're going to basically have eight guys that you're going to feel comfortable with true so i i think for mike d'antoni yeah he caught a lot of flack in the regular season, but I think in the postseason, he was pretty much on par with what everybody else was doing as far as his rotation. You only had about three guys come off the bench. Everybody else was, okay, because the game slows down tremendously. You're not running as much as you are. Every possession matters. You're not giving away those possessions that you give away mm-hmm. in the regular season. So to me, it's a whole different season. And, yeah, if you're trying to navigate through the regular season, that that – is valid, but then once you start getting into the playoffs, I believe everybody has that eight, possibly nine-man rotation that they stick with. Well, and I think that's important. It's a long 82-game season. and Use you look, the guys. Use them. Why not? Use them, and injuries happen, too. So, you know, you, you want to count. Right. You want to count on some guy that's been buried deep on the bench when the postseason gets, let him get minutes. Ten guys, to Sean's point, ten guys scored the other night against Golden State. So, so you know, and, and they all played, you know, with the exception of uh, – I lost it here, but they all played meaningful minutes, too. Sure. I mean, you had, you know, 29 and 16, 24 minutes off the bench. Yep. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, the one thing I will say, and, and I don't want to take anything away from the Phoenix Suns and, and the 17-game winning streak, soon to be 18, as you say, Mike. Yep. But I look at that game last night, and I think if Steph Curry shot any way like he's used to shooting – this may be a different outcome. Sure. He had the worst shooting game of his career with a minimum of 20 shots. So you have to bring that into account right. because that's a team that was actually bl- better from a record standpoint than what the Phoenix Suns were with the 16-game winning streak going into that game. So it, it took both things to be at the same time. You took Steph Curry having the worst game of his career – and you have the Phoenix Suns playing at an all-time high and 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 clicking on all cylinders, uh, even minus Devin Booker to go out and get that win. I, I'm 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 so looking forward to that game in San Francisco tomorrow because that'll be the true test of what this team is all about. Interesting down the stretch, though. I mean, you look at it; the two teams playing at a 56 percent, or excuse me, 86 percent clip. You know, to just watch the horse race between these two teams. Yep. Flip side, you talk about what's going on in the West. The two teams based in Los Angeles are combined one game over 500. Mm. The Lakers are 12 and 11. The Clippers are 11 and 11. Mm. Uh, you know, if the playoffs started today, the Clippers would be in the play-in game, mm. um, and the Lakers <laughs> not far behind. Really, to me, I mean, you know, you look at it, and it's Phoenix, Golden State, perhaps Utah. Um, you know, when you look at the, you know, the the, the cream of the crop. And we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks. When's that separation going to start to happen within the NBA? And, and it's happened, you know, because you look beyond Utah, you know, Memphis is a nice story and they're interesting, but they're flawed. No. Dallas, like, you know, mm. incom- you know, you talk about a complete roster here, Denver, you, incomplete Denver. roster, Denver still snake bit with the injuries. Um, you know, you look at, at that, yeah, and Denver's Denver's on the, the the cusp of sliding away, man. I mean, yeah. You, 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 I, so yeah, absolutely. Can I say this, Mike? I, I think 
so far, and we are only in the first part of December, so mm-hmm. take this with a grain of salt. But I think during the first quarter of the season, to me, the biggest story has been the absence of Anthony Davis. LeBron James has missed half of the games. He's missed 12 of 23. Yep. And Anthony Davis was supposed to have asserted himself as that bell cow, the guy that was going to take the mantle from LeBron James and be the focal point for this L.A. Lakers team. And LeBron was going to slide happily into the role of facilitator Mm -hmm. to get the big man the ball and let him go to work. Anthony Davis seems like a number two. He seems like a guy that doesn't want that smoke as that leader of a franchise. Every time you've seen him have that opportunity, he's wilted under that pressure. And I don't know what it is because looking at him from a talent standpoint, Mike, this guy is unbelievable. But when it actually comes to performance on the court, Mm -hmm. his performances always leave a lot to be desired. And you know what it is for me with him? It's performance when it matters. That's what I'm saying. Because if you just step back and picked up the – The numbers are there. I was going to say if you picked up the newspaper. Who does that anymore? But if you picked up and and looked at the Lakers – Or clicked on NBA.com. 24 and 10 right now. Yeah. You're like, damn, all right. That's not bad. But it's not. It's empty. It's, it's, it's like empty calories. You know, absolutely. And you, I, I thought it would be different, uh, kind of to your point, because the way the Lakers went out last year, you start, you, you, a lot of injuries, and particularly, you know, he was one of them. The biggest one. And he got called out by some of the Laker greats. Magic Johnson called him out. Go work out with LeBron. Right? You know, so he was getting called out. And yeah. so to your point – did he answer the bell? Did he respond? No. And right now you have to say no. No. Because this is a very no. average basketball team, you know? And it's a very average basketball team. And you look at the names, and we talked about that. You know, it's like, a, it's, it's like weird science. Like you're, you're taking all these different parts and trying to see if they fit together. Like I said, you've got a 500 basketball team right now. Mike, the Lakers are the Steelers of the NFL or the NBA. Nobody fears this team. No. The Lakers come to town. Yeah, they got a lot of glamour and glitz, and, and the name is going to bring fans out because, ooh, they're playing the Lakers. Yeah. But when you actually see the product on the field, or the court, I should say, it is not what it used to be. And I think for a lot of people, they walk out of that arena after the games disappointed, win or lose for the L.A. Lakers because this team does not have championship credentials written over at this stage in the season. I know it's early. I know it's only the first quarter. But like we've talked about, you can definitely lose a a playoff spot by not getting these games in the early part of the season. Well, just like we said about Phoenix and Golden State, you're getting wins now that you don't need to get later in the season. Stack those wins. So the opposite could be said for the Lakers, well, for both L.A. teams, which people were counting on this year. That's right. They're in an opposite situation. That's right. Like I said, if the playoff started today, the Clippers in a playoff series, mm. play-in series. Mm. Meanwhile, if you hold the phone upside down and look at it, Houston and Detroit oh, are at gosh. the top of the upside-down <laughs> list. <laughs> a combined 9-33 and 33 between your hometown team and my hometown team. It's rough, Mike. It's rough. They had a three-game winning streak there for a minute, and, and then, you know, that quickly went back to reality. But, uh, I, Mike, they just ain't got it, man. Wait till next year. They just they just ain't got it. You know. <laughs> Wait till next year. So it's we'll, sad. Sad state of affairs from the Rockets. Uh, well, and you know, Detroit basketball not far behind. Yeah. You know, so. two proud franchises on 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 the opposite end of the totem pole right now. For it's now. not a good look. Wait till next year. All right, mm. we'll step aside here on the other side. We're going to do this show in reverse order. Okay. Typically, we get to the Cardinals, the NFL. Cardinals had a bye week. Yeah. So we'll let them rest a little bit longer. Absolutely. And we'll get to them in a minute. But on the other side. College football. Hey. College football from the time that we did our last podcast Let's get to it. today Let's get exploded. It. A lot happened on the field, Go Blue. And 
<laughs> you don't have to say that under your breath. Say it with your chest, man. That was a big win. The first time in a long time, but even more so. Hey, that's my teammate too, man. I'm happy for you. You're him. happy for him. But I'm even more so, uh, the playoffs and, playoffs. Then, and then the coaching carousel, <laughs> the coaching changes. Unbelievable. We'll talk about it next on Train and Gross. Train and Gross. This is the part of the show where I say I'm vindicated when it comes to college football. Wow. Because I said, just sit back and wait. Mm. Let it come to you. Hold Breathe up. it in like a fine wait. bottle of wine. And I said, you will get your final four. I think there's one more adjustment coming. Yep. And then it's it on, it's on. So if you look at the top four, you got Georgia, Michigan, Alabama, Cincinnati. That's one through four. And I've been saying all along, Cincinnati is just waiting for their chance. Thank you very much, Oregon. And they got it. Mm-hmm. Now it's on Cincinnati. Mm. Don't mess around and lose to Houston. Mm. And that's not an easy assignment Can for Cincinnati. Can Cincinnati still not make it even if they beat Houston? No. no. If they is, win, there they're any, in. is there any no. way that that could happen? The, college, no. the committee played their hand by putting them in to B-Train's point. They kept them at number five all along. Yes. And it was almost like a, we don't want you, we don't want you, but we know we have to keep you close. And once Oregon gave them that opening – they had to take it, they had, and they did. They had to give it to them. And then you look at the other two teams in there. You got Michigan, who finally vanquished the Ohio State and then talked lots of crap afterwards. We can get into that in a so, minute. Mm. But let me ask you this. Is an Oklahoma State win over Baylor, like say they no. win big, nope. No. Nope. more of a – is nope. it enough to push them ahead of a nope. Cincinnati win over nope. Houston? No. Nope. Nope. <laughs> the only chance somebody behind Cincinnati has is if Alabama gets boat raced by Georgia. If it's one of the and, – and Georgia – I, I think if they just lose, I think if Alabama loses, they're out. Well, how about this though? You, you can't know, just you can't justify a two-loss non-SEC champion. And I'm not Alabama arguing. And I like that. Into the, I like that. But if you're George, if you're Georgia right now, how are you feeling about this? Because it's been the SEC, and it's really been Alabama's conference. And so if you're if you're if you're Georgia, you don't want to beat Alabama. You want to send a message. And if you send that message, and to your point, I, I agree with you. Even if it's a seven-point loss for Alabama, I think that's enough. If it's enough. a one-point loss, that's it's enough a two-loss non-champion. You can't get in. And then, yeah. then you talk about an Oklahoma State, um, and congratulations to them for uh, <laughs> sending a message to Oklahoma on the way out as well. Yeah. But, no. Um, yeah, Boy, you, how about their coach sending a message to them on his way out? Well, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're going to get to that. coaching changes in a minute. <laughs> I think the big question is, uh, to that point, Sean Crespin, is if Alabama loses – you know, does is it Notre Dame or Oklahoma State? Because then it becomes a sexy pick, right? And I think to a lot of people, Notre Dame is is a sexier pick than Oklahoma State is. We're gonna be we're gonna be punished because we don't have a coach. We're going to. What be about punished the flip side? What about the flip? Like, hey, let's let's take these guys without their coach. Say, hey, Brian Kelly, we don't need you. The resume isn't isn't strong enough, Mike. Unfortunately, yeah. we don't have a, a a big win to speak of against a ranked opponent. It well, the just, Cincinnati loss hangs over Notre Dame. Well, I mean, but that's not a bad loss because it's that's not, the team that's in the playoffs. But it's not. But I meant from the standpoint of it, it, it positioned them, meaning yes. there's no way that you could justify moving Notre Dame above Cincinnati at any no, point. No, you couldn't do it. And so now when you look at the rankings, Notre Dame's in at six, right? So, you know, that would have been a, literally a two-spot jump if you put them past Cincinnati. It's going to be very difficult for my alma mater to get in. One, they're not playing a game. And yeah, and and you look at Oklahoma State. You're not gonna leave out a Big Twelve champion over a non-conference 
well, one it, lost team. And it, it, kinda, just, it just doesn't work. That, it, that doesn't sound right. It spreads the wealth, right? It, it, it does. If you look at it, let's assume – I'm not like I said. The Pistons are going to lose to <laughs> the Suns. Bet the house on it. Right? I'm not going to bet any money on this, but you know, if I had to make make a bet, you're going to take Georgia over Alabama coming up from Atlanta. Yeah, absolutely. So you got Georgia, Michigan, assuming they beat Iowa. You've got uh, Alabama out Cincinnati, assuming they beat um, they beat Houston. See, see, Mike. Here's the thing. Georgia has all the incentive in the world to beat Alabama and beat them down because if if you don't beat them down you could perhaps see them the very next week yeah. because they're going to be number four. Right. The only way that Alabama could get in with a loss is that they're the four seed and one plays four. Yeah. So you, if, if you don't take care of business, Georgia, you're going to have to see this team again. So if that happens and you slide up an Oklahoma State team, and to your point, you get three of the Power Five conferences, right? And, and that keeps people happy. ACC, Pac-12 out. But you get the Big Ten, the SEC, and the Big 12, and then Cincinnati crashes the party. They crash the party undefeated, though. Undefeated. Yeah. And they'll probably be there four now. And even if, you know, again, got to see these games play out, they probably stay at four. Yeah, and, and, and they I mean, get that's, that's going to get ugly against Georgia, yeah. wherever I, I they play. Yeah. But you, you still give them the chance to get blown out, Mike. That's the whole yeah, thing. absolutely. You've got to give them an opportunity to get to the dance, just like we've seen with NCAA basketball. You just don't know. We, we think that it's going to go a certain way. We have a good probability that it's going to go that way. But until they actually get on the field and do what they are supposed to do, then it's always hypothetical. And I, and I just think that's completely unfair to a team that handled their business week in and week out. Oregon falls all the way to 10. There's your Pac-12 representative. Worse for the ACC, Pittsburgh and Wake Forest down in the mid-teens. And, uh, oh, by the way, Clemson, you know, has been the mantle carrier there for the ACC, and you see what happens when you lose the team like that. Mike, I fell out of my seat today when I heard that that was the ACC matchup for the ACC championship game. Pitt and Wake Forest? Are you kidding me? Right. Who in the world is going to watch that outside of those two fan bases? Yeah. Speaking of who's going to watch, you've got your, your championship games around the conference, right? So you've got Alabama, Georgia. Georgia. You've got yeah. Michigan, Iowa. Uh, all these games on Saturday. I, the, the other thing, too, and, and I hate to say this because it, it sounds like every chance we get we're turning around trying to kick the Pac-12 in the shins. Mm. Friday night again. Mm. Like tomorrow. Or, Oregon, Utah on a Friday night. You uh, watching? Uh, my son is playing in the semifinal. Thank you so very much. <laughs> so, so you're not watching. That's a no. Right? Would yeah. you be if you were at home? Yes, I would. If it was a Saturday and you were flipping around the channels, you'd, you'd pass by and maybe land on it because you're interested. See, yeah. I think if you're – no, see, I think the exact opposite, which is why I actually don't have much of a problem with it being on a Friday. But you can't compete with high school playoffs. Every state right. is in the middle of which, high school which, playoffs so right you now. Have to, so you have to ask yourself right now with the state of Pac-12 football, where is it's the most – It's better for nobody to see it? No. Well, let me ask you this. Where, is, where's, where are more eyeballs going to land on your game? Because if you put it in the mix – if you put that game in the mix on Saturday, are you going to it? Are you watching it? Okay, but here's also the flip side of that. You're actually leaving them up to be embarrassed by the fact that more people are probably going to watch high school playoffs. They're going to be at those games. They're not going to be at home to even watch the Pac-12 championship because people are going to be interested in Sean. watching Junior go out there and play in a high school state playoff game, which could give them the championship. I agree. I, I understand what you're saying, but I don't yes. agree with it. Okay. You're like, am I going to watch – and again, not as a Michigan fan, but just as a sport fan. Am I going to watch yep. Michigan and Iowa over Pac-12? Yes. Yes. Am I going to watch Auburn, uh, Alabama, Georgia? Yes. yes. But there's look at these other games that are on. So you're telling me that you're, you're, if you're the Pac-12, you're worried about Appalachian State and Louisiana? 
No. They're, they're at 1 o'clock on ESPN. Mm-hmm. You're more concerned about that? Like, that, that's who you're competing against. You're not competing against the Big Ten and the, the SEC at this point. Yeah. You're afraid to go against the Sun Belt with, I, with I, what you're saying. I just think it's a bad look to go against high school because they could take a backseat to high school playoffs. I'm telling you, like, that is not a good look for the Pac-12. Yeah. The fact that they're competing with high school and high school is probably going to win out. Ugh. Man, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I won't be home. I'm, I'm telling you, I'm not going to – I'm not going to be home. No. <laughs> no, I'm not. Let me ask you this. What is your guys' take on DVRing sports overall? It's hard, man. Because you already know the outcome. Well, I mean, you, you, you've got to put your phone away. Leave you do. It in, leave it in the truck. You do. And your, and your text, too, because you've got your e- buddies. Just like, leave, yeah. leave the phone That's in the, the truck. Right. Leave it in yep. The three of us I'm are sending be... texts all the time. All right, so, yeah. so full disclosure, and you guys feel free to make fun of me as much as you want. We're close enough. You can do that. Um, I'm going to be playing pickleball again on Sunday. <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. And so the same damn thing. I did it last time. Turned okay. the damn turned the damn phone off. Uh-huh. Put it in the glove box. Didn't uh-huh. even take it. Yeah. Didn't even take it because yeah. I was recording the Raiders and the Cardinals. Didn't want to know. Yeah. Wanted to get home. Mm-hmm. Wanted to, and by the way, once I got home and I actually pulled off the trick of not knowing what had happened in these games, I'm telling you, fast forwarding through commercials and, and halftime, beautiful that's thing. the only. Oh my God, is it ever? Is it? Is it ever? Yeah. So I'm gonna be trying to pull that same trick off this week, playing some pickleball. So I again. can't send you a text. Oh my God, did you, you can? But they, I'm, I'm like B Train said, phones off, man. Don't don't take it personal. I'll get back to you after I get back. So you don't turn the phone on no. while you're playing pickleball. No, no, no. It's while you drive home. Yep. No. Nope. Do you take? Do you take a, are you driving a golf cart or like how do you get home from pickleball? <laughs> no, we. So Lindsay and I drive to her friend's house. Is it like in a retirement community? No, they, it's a nice community in Gilbert, actually. I mean, it's over, not, it's like not an terrible. over fifty-five. Type no, it's not. No, no it's not. But That's they got the fine. courts there. So her yep. friends, <laughs> her friends reserve the courts. We play a little pickleball, and then I'm gonna go home and watch the games. There you go. Yeah. So you leave the phone off. The phone will be play? home in the in the in the or phone. Phone will be in the car in the glove box. Off while you're playing pickleball. Off. off. What about the ride home? Right. It's off. What, it's off, off it doesn't until get turned on until off, after you watch off, the games. Yep, off until I get until I get caught up on the games. Wow. So the other thing that gets it's me. kind of freeing. I'm telling you right now, like we're so connected to our damn phones that you don't realize it until you go you know somewhere where you don't have your phone for a couple hours. It's kind of freeing. So it allows you to concentrate on your feels, pickleball game. Yeah, my pickleball game. I like it. I've only played once before. I had a good time. It's going to be good. This is the second That's time. you told us. I'm going to win this damn time. <laughs> That's my thing. I'm too damn competitive, man. We expect so, a full report next week. I will. On Sean's pickleball. <laughs> Wow. So anyway, I derailed the program. No, but, that's but good. where do you stand on DVRing games? To I watch can't later? do it because I can't. I, I'm with you. I, so in in theory, with the exception of the golf cart and the retirement community, I agree <laughs> with your attachment to the phone. Yes, mm. I completely. Whenever agree. you actually get away from it, it's like wow, right? It felt good because we were when we were gone last weekend over the holiday. Uh, we got together, Meg, and we met the whole family, and we we were playing cards. Mm-hmm. But everybody had their phone at the table while we were playing cards. Awful. And it's like, put your phone away while we're playing cards. And I was, I was one of the offenders. Look, I, you almost get to the point where if it's a family gathering, you got to confiscate the phones. Check the, the phones. Put them in a, them put them in a, put them in a right. pillowcase and hide them. Or like no, just put them in a the drawer. Yeah. Whatever. It's like you're yeah. going to a Chappelle show. Turned off. Check them at the door. I, I, I actually did that. Did you? I actually did that when he was here in Phoenix, and it, it was fine. It's fine, right? Yeah. It's fine. I mean, everybody wants to be the first to show something. Right. And... I don't. I don't get that. No. Mm-hmm. But you know, I I don't have a problem putting the phone down. But don't have my phone blow up with a hundred text messages and then. Well, oh my God! Can you believe see, this? Can you that's believe the other that? Problem. And you probably get it when Notre Dame's playing, right? Oh Everybody, my God! Like yeah, I'm you. If you know I'm that big of a fan, then you know I'm watching. I don't need your commentary. Just why does everybody got blow up my phone? Well, and the I'm other thing you. you do, which I I need to do on my because you you set 
when you're driving. Do not I get disturb. the bounce back. I get yeah. the do not disturb, which yeah, is safety first. Hands mm-hmm. at hands at ten and two. Well, I don't know about my brother. But... <laughs> sent a text. He's like, uh, they had a sign, uh, one of those road signs, you know, like driving conditions or whatever. Is yeah. that Ohio State fans keep your hands at ten and two, just like your record? Wow! <laughs> After the game on Saturday, man, I, I had the wrong, oh, yeah. I had the wrong sounds page open because that one. No, that's good, right? So, there. in addition to the games, that's, that's uh, obviously great. the uh, the the big news I think this week was the coaches, the coaching changes, and the, you know the first one out of the shoot. Uh, Oklahoma loses Lincoln Riley to USC, and I don't know anybody uh, when the whole USC thing blew up and and uh, and they knew they were going to need a replacement coach. I don't know that anybody, and we talked about it on this show. Who would you take? And I think I said James Franklin if you gave me the choice. That's I, you know what do I know? But I, that's just a lucky guess, whatever, uh, or an unlucky guess. Nobody, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong. Nobody saw Lincoln Riley leaving Norman to go to USC. No, but when you start looking at the the business side of college sports, which it has totally become, mm-hmm. and I don't want to hear anybody talk about amateur athletes or amateur sports because there is nothing amateur about the demands of coaches these days. Mm-hmm. I sent both you guys the demands of Lincoln Riley. <laughs> it was comical. It was, but it, that one's been debunked a little bit. The, the The principle is right. The housing and everything was wrong, but the principle. Oh, the, just one house instead of two. The, My the, bad. The do, still the, gets the jet though. The, the dollars were were not. On. They're on right. Yeah, you know? and, and so that's really what what the, the hundred million dollar college coach. Yeah. And the, and the players can't get a penny of it. Are and Darren Ravel, right Darren Ravel tweeted out what the salaries of the coaches were back when. You know, at the at the in mid nineteen eighties, when you had some of these legendary coaches working, you know, Bo Schembechler was making one hundred and twenty five thousand dollars, and people probably then yeah. thought it was outpaid. And Lou Holtz, whatever one hundred twenty five thousand dollars in nineteen eighty four was compared to what Lincoln Riley just cashed in, that's more than inflation. Definitely so more than inflation. That's more than inflation. But the other thing that it does is it definitely shakes up the landscape of the Pac twelve. But I also think it sends a message about the the mindset of a coach. You know, everybody's saying, well, it's good for the bottom line. It's good for the business for Oklahoma and Texas to go to the SEC. You could read between the lines, and he'll never say it. Lincoln Riley wanted no part of the SEC. He didn't want that smoke. He didn't want that smoke. He wanted no part of it. Because he knew that that style of offense was not going to make it with those athletes down there in the South. It's just not going to fare well because those guys are athletic enough to jump those routes, to go get those pick sixes. And when you're playing Texas Tech and Baylor, no disrespect to them, but I'm disrespecting you, uh, you're just not good enough to keep up with the speed of Oklahoma receivers. And the SEC is loaded with players good enough to oh, yeah. go intercept that ball. It's you know, just that simple. You know, the, the, the classic case in point, I, I mean, I'm going to grant that Oklahoma and Texas, well, maybe Oklahoma, are better than Missouri was when they went from the Big 12 to the SEC. What's Missouri done? Nothing. When's the last time anybody's talked about Missouri football? It's been a minute. Right. And, and they've changed uniforms at least three times, and right. nobody cares. Nobody cares. Yeah. Right? And so, you know, yeah, but they're cashing the SEC checks, which is what all, you know, people in the, in the business offices think about. Uh, the flip side, though, it dramatically changes the landscape of the Pac-12, like overnight, because whatever you say about moving to the SEC, if you're Lincoln Riley, it's the exact opposite moving to USC. you got nowhere to go but up, and you've got – what I would call, you know, willing victims out there around the Pac-12. He's already flipped 
players that he had coming to Oklahoma, the number one ranked quarterback in the country said, I commit, he goes, no disrespect to Oklahoma, but I committed to Lincoln Riley. And so, you know, that's the thing that Oklahoma, excuse me, that USC has that, that most other schools don't have. The worst kept secret in all of college sports is that when players commit to a university, they're committing to the coach. You're committing to the person that you're going to see 99% of the time that you're there on campus. You're not going to a Notre Dame. You're not going to an Alabama for the city and, and, and what it has to offer. You're going there for Nick Saban, Lou Holtz, and, and whatever other – Dabo Sweeney, whatever coach you want to put out there, you're going for those guys because you understand when they are in the position that they're in, they're going to give you a chance to win mm-hmm. championships and, more importantly, give you a chance to get your skills up so you can go to the NFL. Somebody – and I, I can't find it right now, so I'll just give you conceptually what it was. Somebody tweeted out at the moment that Lincoln Riley announced he was going to USC. He's going to be a rock star too, by the way. Tweeted out the rankings mm-hmm. for the recruiting uh, for the upcoming class for Oklahoma and for USC mm. and said, we'll look at this again in three months to see where USC is. Look at it again in two weeks. Where they are. And you, you, you're absolutely right. Oklahoma's already lost players to to USC. Mike, listen, when you start to I'll, – I'll, I'll give you my own recruiting st- story. When I was thinking about what schools I was going to go to, it wasn't about the city that the school was in. It wasn't about the, the professors that I was going to be learning from. I knew I could go and learn from anybody. If, if I applied myself and, and, and read the information that they gave me, I was going to be able to go and regurgitate whatever information that they wanted me to regurgitate. That's what college – education is these days regurgitating whatever the professor has given you I went to the place where I was going to have a chance to win I was going to have a chance to get exposed as far as uh, what my talents are and and on a on a big scale and I was going to go with the coach that had already got a championship under his belt and was probably going to be in a position to win many more after that so all this talk about you pick a school that's nonsense it's that's never been the case for any player ever and don't tell me just because they lived in a certain place and they always wanted to go there because I'm telling you I wouldn't have gone to Notre Dame if 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 Bob Davies was the head coach if Charlie Weiss was the head coach, I would not be having an ND logo on my back. I'm telling you that right now. It is all about what coach is there and do you have a chance to play and win and go to the NFL. All that other stuff absolutely does not matter. And Lincoln Riley, I'm telling you, is going to be a rock star in L.A., a young, good-looking guy, offensive-minded, and he's going to win. He is going to absolutely own L.A., and when you talk about the recruits, they're going to want to go and play for him like nobody's business because he is going to get all the attention. Yep. He's going to get commercials. He is going to be the next superstar in Tinseltown. And, and, and if I'm a fan of any other school other than USC, you might not want to hear it, but that's good for the Pac-12. It's because great for the Pac-12. There is no other school in UC, the Pac-12. USC has to be good for college football to be There right. is no other school in the Pac-12 where Lincoln Riley could go to and have that same impact. Nope. You nope. Know, you know, You're right. If he would have said, I'm taking my talents to Washington State, which was open, or Washington. It wouldn't have even worked in Oregon, Mike. Or, yeah. It wouldn't have even worked there. Right. It had to be USC. Right. And, you know, if you're in the Pac-12 South right now, I hate to say it, but you had your chance. <laughs> Maybe you got one more year while he puts the pieces in place. 
But these, they already got some pieces, Mike. No, they, they, just, got, they just need the scheme. Yeah. No, no, I get it. So one more year just to, you know, I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, I mean, you, you, you travel. You go see these. What's Lincoln Riley to the Pac-12 mean? Uh, Lincoln Riley to Pac-12 is everything. Right. Um, and, and it sucks for every team in the South because the window of USC being down is going to be done within the next 12 to 18 months. And uh, so you're going to be up against it again. But it means everything, in my opinion. It's, this is a conference that's been easy to pick on yeah. for a long time, as yeah. you know. You yeah. do it every week. I try not to. But <laughs> but it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It is. It's easy to do. A lot of it they bring on yeah. themselves, right? Uh, this brings some legitimacy back to the conference. And it's a, to your point about it sucks for the rest of the teams in the Pac-12 in the South. South. Yeah. But maybe it doesn't so much. I think it depends. If you're sitting in the football office, you're probably going, geez, what do I got to do to compete? Yeah. And I saw a list, man. Jed Fish, God bless him. Like, they listed the coaches in the Pac-12 South and Jed Fish. Like, mm. my man's jumped into the deep end. And mm. I, I don't – but anyways, you know, not, again, I shouldn't pick on people so much. But if you're in the – if you're in the – you know, at ASU or U of A or, or, or Colorado in the business office side of an athletic department, you're like, man, this is terrible. Yeah, this is great. But I'll also tell you this. If you're a competitor... You want it. You want it because, again, ASU's getting ripped. One of the things ASU's getting ripped for this year is you have a chance to be a nine-win team if you win your bowl game, right? Right. But you have one win over a team with a winning record. Mm-hmm. That's not your fault necessarily. It's who the hell's on your schedule, yep. right? So to have... You know, if you want to be considered... You want to have that boost of resume available to you. If you're a competitor, I think you like the fact that you're going to have a team like that. Look, and for some... Because ASU gets to play them every year. Absolutely. And you go back to... And I love it. Like, you celebrate things that, that, that put your program, your team on the map. Yeah. And it was some anniversary of the, the win over Nebraska recently, mm. right? But remember that Saturday in Arizona when ASU beat Nebraska? Like, that was huge for college football. So, to your point, you get a chance every year if USC's on that plateau, knock them off. Yeah. Bring them in here. It's not – USC, ASU probably won't be on the Pac-12 network. In right? order to be the best, you, you got to beat, beat the, the best. best, right? That's how I go. And, and you got to have a chance to play the best. Absolutely. You know, and, and right and lately you don't have that at ASU. Yeah. yeah. Meanwhile, hmm. meanwhile, you thought that was the biggest news of the week. Hmm. Like I said at the outset, I can kind of understand it. If I'm Lincoln Riley, SEC, Oklahoma, I've taken you as far as I can go. Deuces, I'm out of here. Your alma mater. I don't understand this for a hot minute. Brian Kelly decides – he decides to go to LSU. And I, I saw you retweeted it. His comments to the LSU faithful when he got there, <laughs> man, if I'm at Notre Dame, I'm like – All about trust. Yeah, all about trust. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shock you guys right now. I don't think you are. I'm going to – As much as I don't like Brian Kelly – he did the right thing. He did the right thing. He understood that at Notre Dame there was going to be academic restrictions to go get those guys. And I'm a big believer in you've got to have at least four or five goons per class. And I don't mean bad guys and, and, and guys that break the law, but I'm talking about guys that bend the rules, mm-hmm. guys that aren't necessarily uh, uh, straight-A students that are going for class president. You need a few guys that are you know willing to smack the behind of a cheerleader when he walks past her. You know what I mean? Like, hey, I'll see you later tonight. You know what I mean? I need those kind of guys. You talk about the goon squad with, with, with Space Jam and all that kind of stuff. You need a few goons on your team in order to win. And Notre Dame has tried to win in the last – 20 years without having goons present. And every championship team that you see, 
needs and has a few goons. And I don't understand how my alma mater continues to put that pressure on any coach, one, underpaying them, and two, hamstringing them and saying you can only win with a certain type of player on your roster. We see them get the most. Brian Kelly, for, for say what you want about him, he got the most out of his players. He had five straight 10-win seasons. He got them to three uh, playoffs or, or a national championship game in 2012 and then two uh, uh, playoff appearances uh, in 19 or 2019 and 2020, I believe. Now, it, you, you saw them run up against the wall, but the fact of the matter is for what he had to work with, I think he did a pretty damn good job. And he also brought in his successor, gave him a year yeah. to learn, and then said, hey, this is all yours. Now, I don't like the way it went down at the actual time, but you think about what Brian Kelly did while he was there at Notre Dame. He did a hell of a job, even though it pains me to say it because I think he was gutless and cowardly the way that he left. But overall, he did the best he could with what he had. I, I told you that Eric Hansen, a guy that you know you and I have had on the show a number of times, mm-hmm. I think uh, you know him personally. Mm-hmm. He writes f- about Notre Dame for the South Bend uh, Tribune. Yep. Uh, and he had an article today talking about the coaching change. And he was uh, he was interviewing Tom Lemming, uh, who's from CBS Sports, yep. as part of that. Yep. And he said, Brian Kelly could always beat the good teams consistently. He had trouble beating the great teams. And the difference was talent. And it goes back to the coaching change that they made and the quality of recruiting – uh, they think it's going to go up under Marcus Freeman. Uh, and he said, if you look at this class that's going to sign next month, well, this month now, later on this month, and the class that they've started to build for 2023, yep. he said, A, if they wouldn't have kept him, Freeman, yep. those classes would have disintegrated Gone. in front of Gone. them. And he thinks with him elevated to the top spot that it'll be even better. He called him, and I'm trying to find the exact quote, uh, he called him the best recruiter since, uh, and, and this might be a guy that, that you know, uh, Vinny Serrato, Serrato, was he there when Lou Holtz was there? No, when you were well, there? he was there when the coach was there, but he wasn't there when I was there. It was uh, t- uh, Tony Elovich was the guy that okay. was there. Because he called him the best recruiter at Notre Dame since him, since Vinny Serrato. So, Mike, look, I, I, here's, here's, the, here's the, 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 the big thing about my alma mater. I love my alma mater to death. I only root for one team. You know that. You guys know I'm, I'm mm-hmm. Notre Dame through and through, through and through. The ugly truth that we have to face is we are not a premier program anymore. We're just not. We're not that end-all, be-all. Yeah, you can have the NBC contract. Yeah, you can have the the cheer-cheer and the the fight song and all this history and all that. All that is is just history. When you look at today's kids, today's kids don't even know who the hell Newt Rockney is. Right. Today's kids don't even know who the hell Coach Holtz is. No. So you start talking about yesteryear and, and, and all these championships in the 20s and the, the, the 60s and the 70s. They don't care about that. They care about who won the championship last year or the last four years. When they're in school, who's going to give them the best chance to go out there and win? Yep. And when you start talking about those, trans, those, those difference makers, you need a few of those guys, even though they may not necessarily fit all the academic requirements. I'm not saying that you have to cheat to get guys in, but to think that if a guy struggled in high school, he may not reach a level to where he gets it and all of a sudden starts to flourish in college. We've seen Notre Dame win with those type of guys, and those guys go on to be outstanding citizens of, of this country. So just because a kid starts off a certain way doesn't mean you can't give him a chance. And I think Notre Dame has been too proud 
to do that, to give a kid that may have had some issues uh, while he was in high school a, a chance to actually grow into himself and become a man and become more responsible. And I think they are in love with the 10 wins and bleeding their 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 alum dry as far as their pockets because yeah we look competitive we look like we're good we're going mm-hmm. to these playoff games but when you get there you're getting your head kicked in and and as a player and as a guy who wore that university on my back I'm tired of watching my guys get kicked in and for whatever you want to say about Brian Kelly he's not my guy he was never my guy I I still have to defend him in this sense that he didn't have much to work with, Mike, and, and mm. that's the ugly truth of today's state of college football. If you don't have those transitional-type players, those guys that can just tell you, look, you line up at wide receiver, you run as fast as you possibly can down the field and beat everybody down the field and catch the damn ball. And don't you think that – and, and you know, every, any, every university has its uniqueness. It's, yeah. In your case, maybe challenges, you could call it. But, you know, there is a bunch of schools that, that kind of fall in that same category, mm-hmm. what you're talking mm-hmm. about, right? You know, you t- set aside Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State and maybe a handful of others in that elite conversation, sure. as you pointed out. Sure. You know, I'm a Michigan fan. Yeah. Michigan's squarely in there. Yeah. You know, people are talking about, damn, man, Jim Harbaugh, I mean, he's, he's only 10-2 and two again this year. Only 10-2? Right? and two. Right. Like, that's a birthright how, to be 10-2. and two. How'd you like to be Nebraska? Oof. Yeah. You know, Tom Osborne ain't coming back. You know, we talked a moment ago about USC, Pete Carroll, John, uh, John Robinson, what they built at, at USC, right? USC, I mean, they might come back, uh, but, you know, it's a long way back from where they are. Um, you know, and I, I think it's just interesting for me to watch some of the fan bases mm-hmm. not appreciate the changing landscape of college football and understand mm-hmm. where your program fits in there. Like the Nebraska fans, like they, I, they don't get it. No. They don't get it. They won't get it. Because they're living in their the black own shirts. The black shirts. You know, the no. black. Come on. We'll dive into the Arizona Cardinals on the other side. You're listening to Train and Gross. Train and Gross. Welcome back in. Everything's coming up green here at Train and Gross. <laughs> That's good. Thanks for tuning in. That's good. Follow us on Twitter. Check this out at Train and Gross. Mm-hmm. We're also on YouTube. <laughs> Not trying to trick you people. Spotify, I, I, Apple, yeah. wherever. Wherever. Everywhere. Wherever you Check get your it. podcast. Uh, NFL, Cardinals had a bye week, so uh, we uh, gave them a little bit more time in the podcast to uh, rest and recuperate. <laughs> now it's time, I think, to get this right. Last week you told us you tried to go the whole two weeks without putting shoes on, so now it's time for us to put the shoes back on talk to Arizona Cardinals. But this game to me feels like um, a trap game isn't the right one. It just feels like there's a lot of questions for a team that's only got two losses heading back to Chicago. Number one, will your quarterback come back? Mm-hmm. Number two, you got some other guys, including DeAndre Hopkins, that have been dealing with injuries. Mm-hmm. Will he be available and some of the others? And then you go to a place like Chicago. Now, it's not going to be snowing. It's not going to be the frozen tundra that you might find up in Green Bay. The windy but, city, though. But it is cold and windy and yeah, rainy buddy. Sunday afternoon mm. at Soldier Field. And I asked you on the other side uh, coming out uh, – you know, is the grass really as long as it looks on TV when you yes. take the field in Soldier, at Soldier Field? Yes, it is. And how? what does that mean? Like, you're used to playing on a fast track here at the stadium in Glendale, and the Cardinals are built to play in that stadium. And then you have to go play in the weather on a field like that. Well, the thing that people don't realize is the other team has to play on the same field. So they're going to be feeling the same thing, and they're still going to be the faster, more uh, disciplined team is going to win. So it's not necessarily going to – 
be uh, an, be an advantage for the Chicago Bears because they're kind of built on speeds, particularly on the defensive mm-hmm. side as well. And they've got some guys on the offensive side that, that, that like to pick them up and put them down, if you will. So I don't know if it's going to be a disadvantage, but the Cardinals at this point, you are the number one seed in all of football. You mm-hmm. have the best record in football right now. You only have two losses. You're vying for that number one overall seed and bye week. This is a game that you need to win. It's not a must win, but you need to win it if you want to get that home field advantage and make some noise in the upcoming NFC playoffs. You know, we talked about this, uh, you know, at the beginning of the season when you look at the records and you try to figure out, you know, win, loss, win, loss. And that's tough in the offseason and it's tough, at, you know, in August and, and even in September as teams are coming out. It's a little bit clearer now this late into the season. And to your point, B-Train, you look at what lays ahead for this Arizona Cardinals team. Mm-hmm. And you've got, uh, you've got games, uh, six games left, right? And I would say if you're looking at those six games and you were trying to do the win-loss, win-loss exercise at Chicago and at Detroit, which is uh, coming up on December 19th, mm. those feel like two win games. Like when you're doing that, those are two wins. Yeah. And, you know, so if you should stumble and have a performance against Chicago or Detroit the way you did against Carolina, mm. that can derail you a little bit. How, how, does, how is the locker room mentally coming out of a break? When you have a game like this in front of you. Well, I think for the Arizona Cardinals, particularly where they're at this season, I think this team is very confident. I think that they are going to feel very good about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think having a week off, knowing that they've, no matter what, they were still going to be atop the NFC, that, that gave them a little bit of a, a breathing room, if you will, to just be able to go and relax and know that, hey, no matter what, when we come back, we're still in control of our own destiny. We don't have to scoreboard watch. If we just continue to win, we'll be right where we want to be. So I think that coupled with the fact that you're going to have two of your best players coming back potentially, I, I just feel like this team has a lot of confidence about itself and, and particularly on the defensive side. They've, they've really found their swag. They've really found their confidence. And, and I think for Vance Joseph, he's got a lot of different weapons to choose from. And that's always a good thing, Mike. And, and when you've got uh, players uh, you know, that are getting it done up front in, in the front seven, for the Arizona Cardinals, that that makes it that much easier to to play aggressive style as far as defense is concerned, and and I'm I'm interested to see are are they mature enough to win this type of game because this is a game that you should win. You're 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 going to be favored. This is the time of the year where you want to stack these wins. It's December. This is where you start to separate the good teams. Like we've already talked about, the teams that suck know they suck now, so now they <laughs> want to play spoiler. Thank you, Charles. So Barber. now it's a time to mentally get yourself in a position where, hey, this is a business trip. Let's go handle this business, and let's not give them any reason to believe that they're going to have a chance to win this game. Cardinals at the Bears coming up on Saturday. To your point, B-Train, you look at it, and people are going to think I'm, I'm like, even though I say I'm not a gambler, uh, I know that the line is Cardinals favored by seven and a half. I also know the Cardinals haven't won coming out of a bye since 2017 is the wow. number that I heard. Wow. So, you know, you take it, and, and I don't know if it's a mindset. There, weren't, there were some teams in that mix that weren't so good. So, mm. you know, depending on the matchups and those sorts of things. But uh, they haven't won a, out of the bye since 2017. But I think it's different this year. I mean, you hear the stories out of the locker room. You talk about, you know, just how the players kind of uh, talk about the job, going to work. You know, it's not a chore. It's not a task. Almost the opposite of what we were saying about the Bears before their Thanksgiving Day game mm. against the Detroit Lions. So, Mike, when you win 9 of 11 games, 
it always feels a lot better. Because if you would have lost 9 of 11, then you would have that whole, it feels like a chore, it feels like a job, and I, I dread going to work. It's a little bit colder, uh, you're a little bit more sore, uh, the coach gets on your nerve, that's much more, that much easier, the food doesn't taste as great, you're kind of tired of the same old, same old. But when you're 9 and 2, Mike, everything is great. Home life is great. The food is great. Everybody's speaking to one another. Everybody's saying hi for no reason in the facility. I mean, it's just good vibes everywhere. So I think they keep this going. And if they get this win on the road, a much-needed win on the road, then I, I just feel like they're going to be in a position to, to really do something special this year. Get them to 10 wins and, you know, double-digit wins in the NFL, Mike. Absolutely. I don't care how many games you play, 16, 17, 20. If you can get 10, you've done something. All right, let's look at the, uh, at the NFC. The first place teams, and you know we do this, and we did it last year in basketball. Who are you worried about? Who's your competition for that top seed? You got Dallas leading the NFC East at seven and four. They're going to win that. Green Bay winning, uh, leading the NFC North They're at nine win and that. three. Tampa at eight and three. They're going to win. Arizona that. at nine and two, and they're two games clear of the Los Angeles Rams. They've already beaten them once. So you look up and down the NFC, and you talk about obviously the Cardinals winning their game. If the Cardinals don't get the number one seed, mm -hmm. which of those teams will take it from them? I believe Tampa is that team. I, 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 there's something about Tampa Bay. There's something about Brady. And, and once he, I mean, they're playing pretty good football. You saw them against, I believe it was Indianapolis last week, yep. where it was the Leonard Fournette show. And they can beat you so many different ways, Mike. They've got two of everything. They've got two running backs. They've got two go-to receivers. They've got two tight ends. The only thing that they don't have two of is a quarterback, and they don't need to because they've got the best one of all time. You've got a coach that has just been there and done that. Yeah. So they've got the experience. They've got the depth. They've got a, a, a division that they can win very easily. I, I, if there was any team that I'm worried about most – it would be Tampa Bay with a close eye on, on, Green, on Bay. Green Bay Packers because they already beat us. And going back to Tampa, that defense, man, you watch that Indianapolis game. Jonathan Taylor was a man just tearing it up. Like he's already over twelve or 1,300 yards this year. And, you know, MVP score, candidate. Scoring touchdowns at will. He didn't get 100 yards. He didn't score a touchdown against that Tampa defense. They got away from it, Mike. They didn't, they didn't have a lot of success in the first half. They got away from it. They tried to throw the ball. I, for, some, for some reason, every team that has Carson Wentz wants to showcase him and make him be the hero. Give the ball to Jonathan Taylor. Give the ball He's to going. the guy that can give you proven results already this year. You've seen him deliver each and every time he's had the opportunity but yet and still you still want to go back to this Carson Wentz narrative and I don't understand it because if the the game plan is to give the ball to the running back in order to win why not just do that why make it more difficult on yourself no disrespect to the Cardinals and the Bears but the uh, to me the best game on the uh, NFL schedule this weekend is Monday night New England at Buffalo I can't wait in the words of my man, Bart Scott, I cannot wait for this one because you know this is for the AFC East. If they don't win, whoever loses this game is not going to win the AFC East. I think they play twice in three or four weeks. They have not met yet this year. And New England, they're almost like trains going opposite directions. Yes. Because everybody was, you know, and we're going to talk about crowning them in a minute, but, you know, everybody was ready to crown Buffalo. Yeah. And, oh, by the way. Then they hit some snags. Here come the, here come the Patriots. Uh, I mean, you know, you, you, if you're the Buffalo Bills. Are you looking over your shoulder if you're the Buffalo Bills? You absolutely are looking over your shoulders because they have owned the AFC East for the last two decades. 
And even without Tom Brady, it, you, you didn't feel great about it last year. Yeah, you won it, but you knew that that wasn't a real uh, New England Patriots team last year. So now the, is the New England Patriots team. They have got their defense back, and they've got a, quarter, a rookie quarterback playing as well as he possibly can and, and doing everything that, that uh, Coach McDaniels and Coach Belichick is asking him to do. And that defense is saying, hey, look, you just give us enough and we'll take it from here. So we'll keep an eye on all that. But, mm. you know, we talk about the Arizona Cardinals, the good things that they're doing on the field this year. Obviously. Sure. The other thing that's going on with the Arizona Cardinals is uh, the little product they've got called Folktales. Yes. And it's been – we talked about Mexico City a couple weeks ago. Yep. Uh, and, you know, this week it's one that I know you uh, – and you've been featured prominently. Train state. They brought the crew right over here. Yeah. Right? They did it right outside. Yeah. And it's so cool. It's awesome. But Denny Green. Yeah. And, and your coach. God rest and, his soul. Yeah, your coach. I, I, you know, you tell a lot of great stories. But this is the week where they talk about the Bears game, the – the, 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 public Monday night side, football. The, the public side of what mm -hmm. we saw on Monday Night Football, you know, the whole pound the podium, yep. crown their ass, all that. Yep. But you, you had a different perspective, <laughs> a different view of Coach Green after that game. Yeah, you know, it was just a real locker room and, and you know, told a story to, to hear everybody so quiet and disappointed because we felt like from a defensive side we did everything we could to win that game and then to still come up short without giving up any points on the defensive side. You, you just didn't know what to expect from, from Coach because nobody knew what to expect, Mike. I mean, it was, it was such an unusual circumstance. I'd never been a part of a team game where you lost even though the other team didn't do anything to really threaten you right. from an offensive standpoint. And he was so mad. Like, I don't ever remember seeing Denny that mad. And for him to give not one but two classic minute-and-a-half speeches, it, it was <laughs> – he he was he was a quote machine already, but then that particular night that put him over the stratosphere as far as being a, a a quotable entity because the one is known forever in public, but the one in private was even better than the one in public. I was I was in the stadium, and and I was telling you guys beforehand, like you know the it, insufferable Bear fans, yeah, insufferable, yeah. They were you you guys had them. It's twenty to nothing at halftime. Twenty to nothing. And, and Charles Barkley predicted that it wasn't going to be enough. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> terrible. 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 Oh, terrible. Man. Uh, but he was prophetic. Yeah. I, I, I don't even, you know, watch watch the episode. Yeah, just watch it. it. Just watch just it. Just watch and, it. And it's classic. B-Train is, is featured on it. And uh, <laughs> it's just, to this day, it was 2006? It was the first year. It was the opening year of the of the – State Farm Stadium. 15 years. It seems like, in, in a lot of respects, it seems like a lifetime ago. In a lot of respects, it seems like yesterday. Yeah. Oh. 15 years ago, brother. Think about that. Stadium had just opened that year. That was the very first year of the stadium. Everybody's happy they had Matt Leinert as a quarterback. <laughs> we had to, you remember we had the logo of the stadium on the side of the jersey? I mean, yeah. it, was, it was crazy. The, the stadium was open for the first time for that game. The other thing, the roof. That, yeah. So watch it, and then we'll, we'll talk about it later. But yeah. it, it was classic, and I know we've talked a lot about it. And, mm. and your your appreciation for Coach Green bringing you here, um, and, I'll forever and be allowing indebted. you to, to to be featured here, and and what he meant to you. Yeah, I'll forever be indebted to Coach Green. What he did to me, or what he did for me and my family. Uh, he gave me an opportunity to be a leader. He gave me an opportunity to uh, financially take care of my family for the rest of my life, and I'll forever be indebted to him. And 
more than the money, the leadership aspect of it was what meant the most to me because up until that point in my career, I was really a journeyman. You yeah. know, my, I was a third-round draft pick, and then I was a free agent off the street with the Denver Broncos. And so this was the first time that I got to be the man uh, for a team. And, uh, you know, I tried to take it and run with it as best I could. And, and for that, I'll be forever grateful to Coach Green. And speaking of social media, I'm looking at a picture right now of you – uh, you put it out, or train station, excuse me, tweeted it out, you and Orlando Pace. Mm. So two thoughts, uh, mm. you know, you tell us about Orlando Pace, but we talked about uniforms last week when you were in the Broncos. Mm. I think the uniform you're wearing in this game, mm. the white, 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 the helmet, the jersey, like, that is an underrated Cardinals combination <laughs> right there. It was. I like that. You know, I don't know and if it had the do. flag on the shoulder. Right. I don't know yeah. if people like that combination or not, but that's underrated in my book. It was simple. It was, it was simple. And, I, I, you know, I love simple. It had the two stripes down the, yep. down the leg. And so it, 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 was, a nice, it was a nice look. I, I think in certain places it made a lot of sense. And uh, as far as Orlando is concerned, me and Orlando go back to our days at Notre Dame and Ohio State. We, we got it on twice in, in college, and, and we got it on – Many a times because we were in the same division, so twice a year, every year in, in, in uh, the NFC West. And, and uh, he was one of the more athletic offensive tackles that I ever faced. He had long arms, and he looked like a basketball player out there. It, it looked like he was playing man-to-man defense on you as, he, as those, those long limbs, and, and he just had those long arms that just seemed to go on forever. And I loved going up against Orlando Pace because – he was just as competitive as I was. He didn't say a whole lot, but you knew that there was a fire in his belly that wanted to destroy you. He wanted to not just beat you. He wanted to embarrass you. And I came at it the same way. And, and every game, we always gave each other a hug afterwards. And, and it was always great theater within the game. But there was just a respect there because we knew what the other one brought to the table, and we didn't want the other one to get the better of And that picture, I'm looking at it too, uh, is just a good example of how big of a man he was. I was just going to say because the same thing. He was a damn mountain. you're a big man, mm. and you look small in that I picture. Look, I look dwarf. Now, remember, I was in the middle of you're a You're in the rush, middle of a so room. So you're underneath. You got the arm my, underneath. I was doing a dip and rip. But he just looked he's, massive. He's still a mountain. I mean, he was 6'6". Now, don't get it twisted. He was a big man, so it, it, it wasn't as if I was just short, but – uh, he, he, was a, he was a big man, and, and he was very athletic, and he was known for his, his pancakes in college. You know, back then, he was one of the first to coin that phrase, you know, uh, getting on top of guys and just finishing them. Um, I didn't let him do that against me now. You know, <laughs> it, 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 I, I had a lot of respect, but I had a lot of pride, too. I wasn't going to be part of that pancake. You wasn't going to pour Mrs. Butterworth all over me. That, just, <laughs> that wasn't going to happen, brother. So, uh, but I, I, I loved him, man. He, you know, I love those type of matchups because that's why you come to the NFL. You want to show your, your medal against the best of the best, and he was definitely that. That's so cool. And like I said, uniform combo, mm. completely underrated. Got to love it. Got to love it. Make sure. All right. Guess what? It's that time. Time to step away. Our final break of the podcast. On the other side, we will do pump the brakes. Yeah. And Sean will stand and deliver dad jokes. That's coming up next <laughs> on Training Gross. Come on. Welcome back in. Training Gross. Regular listeners to the podcast know what that music means. Getting ready for... Pump the brakes. Before we do that, <laughs> B-Trains, lift, lift, lift the veil on the show. 
he sends us stuff on Instagram constantly. Yeah. yeah. All all you know different videos and stuff which I love and and laugh at. Sometimes I reply to. But then when you send them, it gets it puts me down a rabbit hole. And I came across a, a channel on some, either Instagram or Facebook that does, it was car crashes. Mm. Like people that drive with their dash cams on. <laughs> Dad lost like 45 minutes one yeah, day. Yeah, I got stuck in a road rage one one day. Road? People doing stupid things, road raging. Like it's, I think it said instant karma for people who were idiots, you know, yeah. on the road. Same thing. Well, it was like some guy and he's like talking to somebody. He's got the camera on. You could hear just a normal conversation. And then he's like, oh, shit. Blank, 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 blank. <laughs> and some car ran a red light. Like, I'm like, getting this stuff on video. So thanks a lot, B-Train. Thanks hey. for sending me another video. We do what we do, so brother. So we know what Gross does at work now. He watches, Wasn't it work? It was on he, the weekend. He watches the videos B-Train no, sends. And, no. he, and he reads wedding playlists <laughs> while he's at work all week. No. <laughs> I need to. Don't worry. Your, my, bo- your boss ain't watching. My boss needs Oh, wait. That, they do listen. My boss needs to institute oh. that. Uh, that. Uh, the Chappelle, the Chappelle thing. Put your phone in the bag when you mm-hmm. come to work. Wow. Uh, here we go. I'm going to give you guys some statements from the world of sports. You guys tell me if you're pumping the brakes on it or if full speed ahead if you're buying it. All right? So let me go through this. Here we go. I'm going to start with your alma mater, B-Train. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame, you mentioned it earlier in the show. Sitting at sixth right now in the college football playoff rankings. Not playing a game this weekend. Essentially, resume done. Mm-hmm. Last year, Notre Dame joined the ACC, found their way into the college football playoffs. Pump the brakes or not, Notre Dame should become a permanent fixture in football in the ACC. Pump the brakes. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's gone well for them thus far. The problem that they have is not being part of a conference. The problem is they can't win those games once they get to the playoffs. They're good enough to beat the teams that they're actually athletically superior to. They play a, a vast schedule. They, they play teams all around the country. But let's just be honest, they aren't the cream of the crop in any of those conferences. They play a lot of good teams. They don't play any great teams, as Mike talked about. So you can still do that. But if you have those elite-type players, you can still have that schedule blow those teams out and come in with a heck of a lot more momentum than what they do as it presently constituted. So I don't think they ever need to join a conference. And I'm telling you, they will give up Catholicism before they give up that, that money. Yeah. That's never going to happen. And I'm right there with them, probably because I've known you for 10 years and we've had this conversation more than a couple times. Yeah. You know, for me, a Midwest guy, you know, if you're going to join a conference, I get the ACC, but if you're going to join a conference, join the Big Ten, right? But that ain't ever going to happen. I just feel like a championship game in these situations could help you. Could right. benefit you. And you, you're right. you one more. Right. It could, but winning all your games helps you Helps more. you too. Beat Cincinnati, right? Right. You know, and that's exactly it. And I think the other thing that, you know, and, and B-Train touched on part of it a minute ago when we were talking about Notre Dame, you know, the history, the tradition, and the the games that they play be, from a historical basis. Yep. I mean, we're not going to do a deep dive, but every year you play USC. Every year you play Stanford. You have military academies turn up on there because of the deep tradition and the ties that Notre Dame has to those games. And if you go to the Big Ten or if you, you go to the ACC as yeah. a permanent member, you might be able to keep some of them, but you can't keep all of them. Yeah. And, and that's important. At Notre Dame, yeah, and so I think it's important for college football. I don't disagree, you know, and uh, you know, Army Navy's coming up next week. Yep, you know that that's important for college football, right? And so, yeah, I think I think it matters to Notre Dame. So, to your point, if Notre Dame's undefeated, it's not even a problem. They don't have to worry about a conference. Pump the brakes or not. This this basically ties into Notre Dame as well, so we'll stay here. Pump the brakes or not. There is a right and wrong way to leave a program as a head coach. 
Or is it all personal? Pump the brakes. The only if you're gonna leave, just leave. I mean, don't 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 sugarcoat it. Don't try to act like you're you're disappointed. You took the money. Yep. And you wanted the money. You wanted the opportunity to go to the LSU because you felt like it was a better gig at the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody's upset with you about that. But don't go and try to say you want to see the kids face to face and you talk to them for four, four minutes. minutes. Don't don't do that. Don't don't patronize those kids. And if I'm a kid and I had to be there for seven in the morning. For four, four minutes? minutes of basically nothing. I don't know if you saw are the video. You, are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, you could have done this at 9 or 10 o'clock. Yeah. Let me get those extra hours because you know in college, the, those morning <laughs> hours are important, brother. So don't do not do that to me at 7 in the morning because you know I got to be up about 6 yeah. to get there to 7. And I completely agree with that. I, I You know, again, who am Just I? Just leave. Don't, don't yeah. say anything. Who Just am go. I to say what's best for you? You right. know what I mean? I mean, you, you, you think that contract, that new opportunity, that new that, that's best for you? Have fun. God bless you. But yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I, that video, I don't know if you saw the leaked video. Somebody, I don't need to see it. Somebody recorded it with it facing the ground. They just turned their phone on. And Four he, minutes. He basically says nothing. 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 And, and don't try to spin it, right? Yeah. It is what it is. And, you know, better opportunity for me and my family. I'm gone. Right. Good luck to you. Like, yeah. you know, um, yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard. College football is changing continuously. And, you know, I'd like to say that Brian Kelly or Todd Graham or those guys – it's a. Uh, it's going to be a. The uh, norm, um, but you know it is what it is, and so coaches are going to do that. You take the money, you go, and that's fine. Like you can't begrudge a man, um, but don't try to put a positive spin on it. Don't put coach speak on it. Don't try to make it something that it isn't. Go yeah. to B Trans Point. Just go. I agree with that. Uh, real quickly here, we'll run through these today. Staying on coaches potentially leaving. Mm -hmm. Pump the brakes or not, is there even a 5% chance Cliff Kingsbury is in Oklahoma? No. No, it's not happening. It's not an upgrade for him. Money-wise, it could be, though. No. But it's not an upgrade for him. Because he's going to see a new contract this year anyway, right? Next year's the last year in his contract. They were not going to allow him to go into the, the lame duck year. Mm -hmm. But is he going to get – I mean, we're seeing these college coaches get 10 years of guaranteed money of 10 per year. I mean, he's not going to get that in the National Football League. He's just not. So is there a chance where it becomes a moment where you just – how the hell do I pass that up? I don't think for him it's about the money. I think it's the opportunity to coach against the best of the best. Yeah. I think college already showed that they didn't want him. Right. Remember when he was let go from his alma mater at Texas Tech, he didn't get a single head coach offer. He was going to USC yep. to be offensive coordinator. He was going to USC offensive coordinator. Yep. So to this point, why would you go back to a league that already showed you that they didn't want you the first time? Right. And you're 9-2 you're and two in the NFL right now. There's no need to take a step back at this point. Well, and the other thing, too, you know, when you look at – and, again, I don't know the man, but when you look at it, there's certain coaches that are, are built for college football. Yeah. Nick Saban, right? Yeah. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Yep. Yeah. And you look at Cliff Kingsbury, the resume is not nearly as long. But how – if you're Oklahoma and you're going to your boosters – because it, it's not school money. It's booster money that pays college football coaches. Yep, right. Hey, here's a guy that was under 500 at Texas Tech. We're bringing him in. Yep. Here's a guy that admittedly didn't like to recruit, right? Yeah. And you, whatever else you do in college football, you need to recruit. Absolutely. Right? That's, that's your so bloodline. If you can't and don't want to recruit, you know, you don't have a general manager pulling the, the, the strings for you. So, you got, so no. He, he's, he's a 
He's in the right spot. And he, until but they the kick same, him out. Until they kick him out. Which will happen at some right. point, right? I but, mean, I think it's just another situation of the right now mentality we have in sports today. I mean, let's rewind just 11 games. Mm-hmm. Like, not a year. Rewind 11 games coming into this year. It was uh, this guy has never – he has a 3-12 and record against teams with winning records. Uh, this guy's got all kinds of question marks as a coach. And now 11 games later, he's sought after from around college football and about to break the bank with the Cardinals. It's amazing with the, the right now mentality it, it, in that, that whole story when it came out, and did it come from Schefter, the, the, yeah, the breaker of news? Of them, yeah. Like, it, it, okay, throw his name out there, but at, when you boil it down at any level, it doesn't make well, sense. And his, his, it made no sense. But so. his his people love it because it helps, oh, sure with, it helps with that negotiation with the Arizona Cardinals. Exactly. Get, you know, expedite the process to that new contract. Exactly. Uh, Georgia going into the SEC title game this weekend against Alabama. Defensively, they've given up 83 points total on the year, 6.9 per game. You could double the amount of points they've given up. It's still the lowest amount in all of college football. Is this the most – and considering they play in the SEC, is this the most dominant defense we've seen in 25 years? Oh, pump the brakes. Who's been better? I think you got to go back to the 2001 Miami Hurricanes. Okay, I can buy that. you got to go back to the 1997 or 1995 Nebraska Cornhuskers. That would be 30 years, though. Uh, it's, no, it's just 25. 25. It's, 20, it's right there. It's right there. In the cusp. You're right. You're right. You're right. You're right. So I, I think those two squads were very, very dominant. Yeah. Um, it's impressive what George is doing. It's amazing. But you, you just remember the talent wasn't so, uh, you know, concentrated in one one conference back then. That's fair. Yeah. So what when Nebraska was doing was actually impressive. What Miami did, because they were playing the Florida States and the Floridas. You know, on a, on a regular basis. So, yeah. they, they, and the North Carolinas, when, you know, the first time around with right. Mac Brown, when they were really, really good. So, I think some of those, I think two of those defenses were on par with what we're seeing right now. But, but what Georgia's doing this year is phenomenal. Less well, than a it, touchdown in the SEC right, in, it, in today's offensive football? To that point, like, you know, it, it feels like the team, the great teams on par, and it yeah. feels like. This defense is old school good defense, yeah. as opposed to when you look at how they broke down the Michigan game. They're like, oh, they were defensively, they were physical, whatever. They yeah. still gave up twenty some points, yeah. right? You know, it, it was a great win. Don't get me wrong, but right. when you compare the two, yeah. like Georgia is just beating the snot out of people. Yep. Shout out Keely Ringo, freshman yeah. from uh, Suaro High School, anchoring that defense. Yeah. He started like three, four games of the year. He's started every yeah. game since then, and uh, was named Freshman All-American this week. So. Uh, I love it. By the way, despite their bad season, Clemson is number two on that list. They've given up 180 total points this year, just 15 per game. But you could double Georgia's <laughs> points allowed and still be almost yeah. 20 points less than the next team. That's an indictment on Clemson's offense. They've it is. terrible. It Awful. is. Defense has been solid. Uh, a little pop culture, as you know. Holiday season is in full swing. Yeah. Uh, Pillsbury now has a can- – <laughs> Has a – which one of you did that? I'm looking at, <laughs> I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, which one of you did that? Who's the Doughboy? Doughboy made an appearance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's um, – mm. No. No. Oh, come no, on. Down. Come on. <laughs> that was good. That was great. And it was come perfectly on. timed. Yeah, it was. Right? I was. I was looking at my phone. I'm like, which one of you did that? Yeah. Uh, anyway, Pillsbury has a candy cane flavored dough coming out oh, for this year. come on. No. Hang on. Pump the brakes or not. Candy canes are the candy corn of Christmas and should find their way to the trash can as well. 
No, candy canes are no pump the brakes. Candy canes are pretty good. I, I, I like the, the the minty aspect of it. Um, you can put it in in a in a nice hot drink. You can eat it by itself. I mean, I, I'm I'm a big fan of the. You can decorate the, you can yeah. decorate the tree. Decorate with the tree it. with them. I mean, they got flavorful ones that aren't just minty. Yeah, I mean, I, I like the green, red, and white ones. I'm those, on board with those. those. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> candy candy canes are cool and refreshing. Yes. Wow. Yeah, man, whatever. What was the Pillsbury noise again? What was the question? I don't even remember. Candy canes are no. are the candy, candy canes corn. are the candy corn of Christmas and should find their way to the trash can well. As well. No. some people might, well, the, with the, the exception of the trash can, people might find that as a compliment because clearly there's a lot of people find that love candy corn. Find one person that loves candy corn. There's find a, one. Ask the company that makes it, man. They sell a lot of that stuff around yeah, Halloween. Yes, Somebody is. must like it's it. brutal. They sell a lot at Christmas time, too, because it's they brutal. keep making them every year. It's not like they've, you know, hit a, hit a, a bad patch. <laughs> it's like, well, maybe we ought to <laughs> ease back on the production of the candy canes this year. Don't right. you dare talk bad about candy hey, canes. Hey, like I said, I'm, I'm not necessarily that guy, but don't, don't mind me. I'm just reading it. Don't I'm mind me. reading the question here, man. That's all I'm doing. Is that it? That's it. We got. Um, we ready? We're up against it. All right. We are. It's oh, that time. Here we go. It's time for this week's dad joke. No matter what, he's going to get graded with one of those. Bitten B train gives us Come a joke. On. That'll be followed by either some laughter if it's a quality uh -huh. joke, a standing O if it's one we're going to tell all of our friends, or there's that chance. And for the record, Sean Crespin is standing. <laughs> That's become. He a was thing. already standing. He's got B train's got to break out the glasses now. Yeah. You talk, you talk about true dad joke fashion, right? The classes got to go on. <laughs> Put it out there one time, man. Professor. <laughs> oh, man. All right, here we go, y'all. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you about a woman who eats plants. Tell me about her. You probably never heard of her before. <laughs> that was borderline. I told you, man. What were you thinking of pushing? That was borderline. That was right there. It was in between. <laughs> you almost got the horn. Well, it was delivery. You almost got it the horn. It was delivery. Go ahead. Deliver it again. Deliver it again. I mean, you know, it was good. I got to do it again? Do it again. There was the delivery. Give me the delivery. Give me the joke again. I, I want to tell you about a woman who eats plants. Mm -hmm. You've probably never heard of her before. <laughs> Come on. That's a good one. Herb. <laughs> See how hard you're laughing, and you were gonna be in favor of me getting the horn. See, that's it. see, you guys, man, y'all are something else. So if you're yeah. watching us, if you're watching us on YouTube, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can only see what you can see. Yeah. You see B Train, you yeah. see me, and you're you never, laughing. And you never see Sean Crespin. My favorite part of dad jokes used to be. You doing the dad jokes. But my favorite part of dad jokes now is like if Watching this was – Why this was do I got to be the judge, jury, bit. and executioner? If this was the Sunday, the Sunday ticket or whatever where yeah. they you got do the, the – on the, on the, You got the hand on the button. Where they do the split screen? Yeah. yeah. I got I got B-Train in one screen. I got Sean in another screen. Yeah. I'm like – So I, I don't always get it on the first delivery. That's but I'm watching Sean, and he's like, no, oh, don't. Yeah. He's afraid. Whatever. I'm not afraid. Why wouldn't we? Why would I? Terry Tate, office linebacker. That was funny, man. That was good. I stand that by that one. That was good. That was Thanks good. Thanks for tuning in. Episode 54. We've been at uh, Train Station Studios in beautiful downtown Phoenix. We'll see you next week for another great episode of Train and Gross. We'll holla.